My name's Denise Ferguson from Fine Surveyors, and today I'm here with Alice Cunningham. Hi, Alice, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Good, good. What are you drinking? I am drinking a uh, Record League uh, strawberry and lime, um, mm. which is something I wouldn't normally drink, but it's something about this hot weather that it just kind of feels, yeah, it's something I suddenly crave when it gets hot. <laughs> Somebody else had one a couple of weeks ago and they yeah. said, oh, I don't usually drink this. Mm. I'm not a cider drinker at all. No, it's quite sweet, but I, I, yeah, when it's hot, it's just nice. I put it in the freezer beforehand to make oh. it nice and cold as well. So. Delish. Yeah. Yeah. Like a slush puppy that's going to make you very happy at the end of it. Yeah, it wasn't quite as cold as that, but yeah, maybe I should have left it in a bit longer. Although it might, have, <laughs> might have exploded if I'd done that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, not so long that it exploded. I did that with a bottle of Prosecco once and it literally exploded Ooh. in my whole freezer. The whole yeah, freezer was covered in there. glass. Yeah, shards of glass. <laughs> it was not a fun time. Anyway, Alice, what is your business called and what do you do? Okay, so my business is called Shoal Content, uh, and I am a copywriter and content coach, um, and I work mostly with introvert women um, to help them kind of grow their business through through their words, really. So either um, either kind of helping them learn how to write better copy for themselves um, and better content, or or just doing it for them, really. So whichever works best, or a mix. Sometimes it depends. First of all, did you say shell content? Shoal content. Oh, shoal content. Okay, what's what's the reason for that name? Um, it, to be honest with you, it kind of just uh, it was it was it that name I had before I kind of changed my focus to uh, to introvert women when I was just kind of more of a general copywriter. Um, and it just kind of I was just trying to think of a name because using my own name because it's a funny spelt surname. Um, I found people would often say to me, oh, I tried to email you, but because uh, they used to just be cunning in copywriting and they would try and email me and say, oh, emails are bouncing back. And I was like, oh, okay. So yeah, so I changed it from you thought. And it was just the idea of a, a shoal of fish, sort of people coming together. I don't know, that kind of seems a bit cheesy now, but I, I kind of was just a bit stuck for a name and then I just sort of thought, oh, okay, I like fishing, you know. There we go, there yeah. wasn't much thought behind it, to be honest. Yeah, so all of, ignore all of that. I like fish, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> so why introvert women then? Well, I guess because, I guess I feel like I'm an introvert myself. Um, and I kind of, I, I kind of felt like, you know, so for a long time, although I was, people were, had clients pay me to write stuff for them. Um, I found it really hard to do it for myself. Like I found it really difficult to um try and market myself online um to kind of post regularly on social media particularly um you know i kind of felt this fear of um people seeing me and like oh my god my friends are gonna see stuff if i write about myself online like you know family whoever you know it just just was so outside my comfort zone but um and i kind of i found that actually it wasn't as hard once I started doing it it wasn't as hard as I thought to get past that and I kind of felt like maybe this is something that I can help um other people who might feel the same as me do you know so that that's kind of how it came about really yeah lots of people think that I'm quite an extrovert person because mm. you know I can do all of these sorts of things mm. and it doesn't phase me at all but I'm definitely an introvert extrovert mm. so there's a side of me that that really gets exactly what you're saying i yeah. find it so easy to help other people but when i have to put myself out there yeah. I, I literally have to do it blindly without the fear inside yeah. me otherwise i just wouldn't 
be able to do mm -hmm. it. So yeah. how do you, how do you, first of all, how do you teach women to be able to put that content out there and how do you, in what platforms do you provide that service? Okay, so um, so I've got a Facebook group um, which is called the Introvert Women's Remarkable Content Studio. Um, so so on there, um, I kind of we there are just daily kind of threads where people can um, maybe post their content and get some feedback, and knowing that they're in a a, a, a place of you know a room with friend friendly people, I guess people who kind of get them, um, and. Um, I, I have to be honest, my, my LinkedIn posting recently has been pretty dire, but um, oh, I'm with your sister, locked, this lockdown. whole lockdown, exactly. Yeah, uh, I had to prioritise essentially once, um, you know, my working hours got slashed by nursery closing. So, um, but, but in general, in, in normal, normal times, um, I would be posting regularly on there as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, people okay i kind of i've got a um a 99 pound content plan um session which the idea is that it's kind of it, it used to be something i did with a call to talk things through with people but i've changed because of the lockdown thing actually and just having no childcare, i changed to doing it just over email and actually i found it's worked quite well um just oh, like wow that. really that's a good idea yeah it doesn't necessarily need a call because I send a questionnaire out basically and, and people tell me a few things about their business and about the kind of content they've been writing so far if, if at all um, and it's just designed to give people the basics of um, how to kind of go away and start creating more content for themselves so um, the basics of you know so the, a lot of focus on their ideal client um a lot and getting that really in depth so that they feel that that's someone that they've kind of got in the room with them and they can really picture um you know i think it's something everyone is told you've got to do an ideal client exercise but i think a lot of the time it's not something people do in, in enough depth so that's the the cornerstone of it really um but then also looking at um some basic things about their brand voice um and how they communicate with people um what you know what kind of words people should be using that that they that will connect with their audience, um, and then teasing out from from that and from from the adult client work some some broad content themes that people can then go away and run with and and kind of just trying to trying to give it you know it's 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 obviously not a huge long session it's only you know it's designed as a starting point I guess that then people can um, you know develop a more detailed content plan um, or content calendar as a result of that, but they can start off with just, you know, it's just, just designed to take the overwhelmingness out of, um, that's not a word by the way. But <laughs> no, I totally, I totally get that word. Yeah. It means exactly what you're trying to say. So but, how did you okay. get into this business? What, what brought you to, to either doing it for yourself or, or doing it for other people? Do you have a so, background? Yeah, so, well, so I've been a, a, a copywriter, a content writer in some form uh, since 2009, um, and that was a complete career shift for me. So before that, I worked as a project manager in the public sector. I worked for the Mayor of London most recently. Um, uh, and then I, I went, well, I quit my job, went traveling for six months, came back. Um, then that was obviously the, uh, you know, right in the midst of the financial crisis, you know, the public sector was being cut hugely. Um, there weren't just weren't any jobs. And also, you know, I live in Brighton. I'd always worked in London for years and years and commuted 
there's very few jobs down here that um you know that i could really that were relevant to me so the thought of going back after six months off, the thought of going back on a train to london every day i just couldn't face that so um uh, and then my mum suggested uh why don't you do a master's in creative writing because there was a really good course uh locally um so i did uh and then i needed something flexible to, that i could do alongside that and it was just kind of the obvious thing i'd, I'd always thought about doing some kind of writing or editing or some sort of wordy type career but it would just you know it 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 never been the right time um and it just kind of came to, all came together at the right moment i guess so yeah that was that was that was the thing it was it was almost something i fell into but equally something i thought about for a long time it just i didn't know I didn't really know what the opportunities were, I suppose, um, earlier on when I, you know, before that. But it, it, yeah, things just kind of came together, I guess. Yeah, completely. So tell me more about working, you know, in the public sector and for the Mayor of London. That sounds mm -hmm. fascinating. What was yeah, that like? it was good. So it was, for most of the time I worked there, it was Ken Livingston. Just before, it was Boris, actually, the last six months or so I was there, it was, it was actually Boris. I can't remember. Hold up. Oh, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you worked with Bojo. Need yeah. To need to know. Well, uh, right. Tell me, is he as insane as he pretends to be in my head? Yeah. I mean, I to be fair, I didn't have a lot of contact with him um directly, but he was definitely like he. uh he's he wasn't any different now then to how he is now in terms of how he came across. You know. Um, yeah, I kind of vividly remember just after he got elected, um, we were told to all wait by our desks. He was going to do a walk through the building and he kind of just came up to everyone's desk and shook your hand. Hi, I'm Boris. And it was, yeah, the, his whole manner of, and, and everything was exactly like it is now. No different <laughs> at all. <laughs> there's, a, there's a part of me that is so glad about that and a part of me that's terrified. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Equal measures, I feel. Equal yeah. measures. Yeah. Okay, so... But that, but that job must have been amazing. So what type of project management were you doing for that? So I was um, in the economic development team. Um, so we worked closely with an agency called the London Development Agency, who, who are now defunct. But at the time, they were very much involved in giving grants to small businesses in London and, and trying to develop kind of, just develop London's economy, I guess, in various ways. Um, so we just, you know, we kind of, we oversaw, I guess, their projects, I suppose, more than anything, and just made sure they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. Um, the, you know, the other thing was um, every month there was a mayor's question session, so I would help write the answers to that, to those, and research them, and kind of work with the mayor's advisors to to make sure that the mayor, whichever one it was, wasn't going to be caught short in the chamber with a, a question that he couldn't answer. Um, you know, so a bit like Prime Minister's questions, but just on a much smaller scale, I suppose. Love it. <laughs> you know? That must have been quite yeah. fascinating. It was interesting. So what's it like living in um, Brighton? Because I, me and my husband spend a lot of, well, we used to before we were not allowed to leave anywhere, mm -hmm. but we used to spend a lot of time down there and I love spending time down there. But mm -hmm. like you said, it's quite difficult it's quite a difficult um, place to work in, isn't it? There's not that many jobs and you are having to go in and out of London, which is quite the trek. So yeah. what's it like living down there? I mean, I love it. You know, I came here when I was 22 um, and that was in 2002. 
and I came down just for, to, because my boyfriend at the time um, was from here. So I came down here to live with him initially. Um, and yeah, two years later, I'd left him, but I stayed ever since. Um, but it was, um, I, I mean, I, I love being near the beach. It's, you know, it's just, there's nice vibes everywhere. It's kind of, a, you know, nice creative place. There's nice quirky independent shops, you know, there, there, there's kind of, you know, um, all the normal stuff as well, like a normal high street. It's not like it's kind of um, completely different to anywhere else, but there, there, are, there are... No, but there's such a beautiful vibe to it. Yeah, it is a really nice atmosphere. It's a shame the beach is so stony, you know, I suppose the sand would be nice. But um, yeah, apart from that, um, it's good. It's, it's bright and it's been good to me, um, but, you know, all the time I've lived here. And yeah, but like you say, most people, I'm, most people either commute to London or they've all their freelance self-employed you know there are you know I know I have a few friends who have kind of jobs in Brighton or around like mostly working for like kind of uh you know I don't know medical type companies and things like that you know maybe you have an office office kind of somewhere like Burgess Hill or Worthing or whatever you know there's a few of those around but most people like there's there's basically there's Amex is the big employer here and um that's that's the biggest employer in Brighton really there's not a lot of big companies here at all so yeah I didn't even know they had an office there that's that's yeah yeah so what's the plans for your business moving forward so, um, I mean, at the moment, I'm kind of moving. Um, I've always been more of a content kind of person, I suppose, and and very much focused on on branding kind of copy. Um, I'm I've invested, you know, in some in more into kind of more training for more focused sales copy that I think in the past I always felt like, oh, that's not really for me. That's a bit maybe a kind of maybe going back to the whole introvert hang up thing maybe I always felt that's a bit um I don't want to feel like I'm being really sleazy or whatever you know I'm more of a branding type person but actually um the bits of that I have done I've really enjoyed um and so I've yeah so that's that's the next thing on my radar I suppose is um to kind of find a way that the thing is that you know to to get for a say a lot of the people I work with are Small solo business owners, they don't have huge budgets for copy. So trying to work out a way that, you know, you can uh, help people set up a, you know, a, a sales page, say that, that actually converts or a landing page that, that really converts, you know, um, but, you know, and a way they can do that without having a huge budget, you know, because people charge, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands for those things because they, they bring in money, right? So, you know, if you've got the budget... So many people need going. help with that because it's such a... If you're not that type of person, it's, it's, it is such a talent to be yeah. able to do that. And, yeah. and like you say, even if you do... Even if you do kind of have quite a reasonable budget, mm. there are so many different types of content writers out there. It's, yeah. It feels like it's quite the mind field to, mm. to go to so it's interesting that you say you work you, you predominantly work with um uh, introvert mm. people because because yes everyone says that you need to niche down and i completely agree with mm. that in an, in in a sense but but yeah. actually people who are introvert it's it's such a personality trait that it's yeah. important to be able to speak to them directly really? so what yeah. three tips do you have for people who are kind of introvert to be able to get them Maybe not the confidence because you can be mm. introvert and confident mm-hmm. at the same time, but but who can you know translate what they need to say into into copy? What three tips do you have? Okay, so I would say um, 
first of all, just first of all, well, I was saying kind of before about the importance of the ideal client, and I again, I always hesitate to say this because I feel like everyone bangs on about it, but it is really important to so make sure you've really, really nailed that. Like, really, if you don't feel like you could, you're sitting, you can sit in the room with with this person, you know, um, and have a glass of wine or a cup of tea or whatever you want with them you know if you don't feel like you could do that then you don't know them well enough right so that's the first thing um but um also know why it matters um why the kind of traits that you've identified about your ideal client why do they actually matter to your business you know where's the link with your business so you know for me um you know, my ideal client is, is someone kind of a, a woman in her early 40s, you know, basically um, someone quite similar to me, basically. But it tends you know, to be though, doesn't it? Yeah. It and tends to be because, yeah, you're so yeah. comfortable with that person. You know that person inside yeah. out. And that there does tend to be a kind of, you know, Venn diagram and, and your ideal client seems to be somebody in the middle that you can kind of identify with. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, particularly for like a solo you're, you know, you're a, a solo person business and, and you're the center of your business. I think, you know, those personal connections are really vital. So make sure you can really, really connect with, with your ideal client and then really imagine them. Um, the other thing is people is storytelling. Um, you know, people, again, people always talk about storytelling, but what they often don't kind of say is they say that people talk about the importance of stories, but what they, people often miss out is the fact that it's not you that are in the starring role in your story. It is your client. Um, you know, so when you try and kind of tell a story, you might be telling a story about yourself, but you need to be thinking about how it relates to your, to your clients and why, you know, they're the, they're the hero in the story. They're you, you're the guide, you're the person guiding them. So think of it like that. Um, you know, you can talk about your own story and tell, you know, people want to know that people, people like to hear about what you've kind of, um, what you've done and, 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 you know, who you are and where you've come from, but it's still, you're still the, the, the guiding role and not the, you know, you're not the lead. And that's, that's important to remember. The way I like to say it is that is that it's your story and it's about mm. you, but yeah. you tell your story in different ways to different audiences. So if your ideal client isn't your mum, your sister, but it's your auntie Sue, mm. then you word it how you would tell her the story, not how you would tell your mum or your sister yeah. or your cousin. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, then you know, you know, you, you're going to use certain words, you're going to use a certain empathy, you're going to use a certain, you know, path to get her to the end of that story. Whereas with, with your sister, you might go, this happened. Yeah. With your mum, you might go, oh, it was kind of, but with, you know, so you just need to know kind of who it is you're talking to. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the third final tip would be, um, just uh, if you feel like you're getting writer's block and you're staring at a blank screen all the time, literally just write like anything. I mean, you know, it, it doesn't matter. The first draft is always rubbish. It really doesn't matter. Um, you can edit, take as long as you like to edit. And, and I, I pretty much guarantee that if you've written what you think is a really rubbish first draft, you go back to it tomorrow, it, you'll probably find it's way, way better than you thought it was. Um, you know, I do this all the time <laughs> like, when I write stuff for clients, you know, I kind of think, oh, that is awful, but I've just got to get something on the page because I've, I've just got to get something done. 
and the next day it's, it's you know yeah I need to edit it sure but it's nothing like the the to the level I, I kind of assumed I would so yeah it, it, I still have to remind myself of this you know constantly but it, it, it is it is really true um, you know but people kind of get intimidated by this massive white space and this blank page that they've got on their screen and it you know um, just take the fear out of that and just get something down uh, yeah I I'm not good with the whole blank yeah piece no, of paper no, at all it, it isn't no. i'm saying i've got to fill all this space and you know um yeah so I, I tend to edit something that i've done before and, yeah. and it ends up being absolutely nothing like it but because there's already words there exactly then I, it gives me confidence yeah 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 completely so how's covid19 coronavirus <sighs> pandemic unprecedented mm. any other words that we didn't use before furlough yeah <laughs> how's, how's our new world affected your business um well i mean i guess in many ways to be honest the last three months it's come to a bit of a stop in the sense that i just haven't had much time like i've kept on my regular clients and people on retainers and stuff but in terms of kind of much beyond that trying to get new clients and things i haven't just haven't been able to do it so like uh, as you know my kids are going back to childcare next week and I, you know, don't want to sound like I'm counting the minutes, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got a clock on the wall to count it down for. Yeah. <laughs> like a tally chart, you know, like in prison. Um, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's been um, uh, just, you know, me and one and a three-year-old and every day and it's kind of hard. It's been, it's got easier as we've been able to meet more people and, and let them run around and stuff, but I've kind of felt this little edge of anxiety the whole time because it's always like, there's so much stuff I really want to be doing and stuff I should be doing. And then, you know, it makes bedtime more fraught as well because it's like, I've got to work in the evening and if you're not going to go to sleep till 9 p.m., then what the hell am I going to do? You know, <laughs> I'm relying. Oh God, yeah, if your children... <laughs> if your children have a sense that you have anything else to do that's important, <laughs> they are not going to bed anytime yeah. soon. So, yeah, but it, it's it's not been all bad. I mean, it's been nice. Like, I, I have to say, I'm not sure how I'm going to manage getting them up and out of the house at 7.30. Uh, it's been nice. Like, they, although they, 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 like, this morning, the older one slept until 8, just of his own accord, and that's, <laughs> that's really nice. Oh, um, without any drugs or anything. No, amazing. Like, oh, I didn't even drug him. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, there have been some nice things, and it's just you know. But I, I'm definitely ready for it to stop now. I don't think it's been all bad, but I'm equally, it's been tough. And I think, I think when it started, and they first said there's three weeks, I was like, okay, three weeks, I can cope with that. And then it's extended and extended, and then it, you know, there was a bit like the last couple of weeks, they've obviously been easing stuff now, and it's been nice because you feel like even though there's still restrictions, things are coming to an end. But for there were a few weeks in the middle where it felt like there's no clear end in sight here. You know, I wish they just say something about or you know even if the end date's a long way off I wish I just knew when when things would start to change but things felt like they've changed really quickly I think the last couple of weeks I don't know about you but it's just suddenly yeah changed. so I've been I've been very strict on the whole rules because my mm -hmm. mum's disabled and you know and I can't go anywhere near or anything like that so okay. so there was a, a massive block in my head that said you know if I don't stick to the rules, then people like her are never going to get out. So yeah, I just, absolutely. I just couldn't, I just couldn't yeah. do it. I was very strict. Yeah. And then yesterday at my daughter's birthday party, her and my dad could come down and, you know, yeah, we only touched elbows, but it just felt, yeah. felt like there was like an end to it and it felt great. Obviously, you know, it was like, I want to hug you, but I, and I but can't, but you know, just being able, no. exactly. Yeah. It did. It did. And it did. Yeah. I, 
like everyone said visibly kind of had released something from me because there was obviously that block of can everyone just go home so that my mum can get out <laughs> please <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah it was yeah. quite nice yeah yeah but it'll be nice when it's properly over it will yeah we'll see i mean i hope yeah let's hope i mean i guess i'm lucky having younger children there's nurseries and stuff they are going back to their normal hours you know like people like you with school-aged kids it's it's all very up in the air for you isn't it you know like my niece is starting school this september she's four and i she doesn't even know with how how much school she'll be going to in september so that's quite tough i mean you know, it's a yeah i completely feel for anyone who has younger children than me because mm -hmm. you know my kids are 11 and 13 i can abandon them for an hour two hours and go and do whatever it is i need to do if it's mm -hmm. food shopping if it's seen a client if it's a call or anything mm -hmm. like that i can i can go and do it people who've been in lockdown with you know children of your age jesus wept you know how you are not running on you yeah. know mainlining gin is just beyond me <laughs> yeah yeah i have to say the alcohol consumption got a bit out of hand at the beginning i had to have to rein it in because it was getting a bit much but we did yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah seriously well like i was saying to you before we get we came on the call I, you know i go running every day because i, I have to i have yeah. to because it it's the my stress reliever. It's the thing that keeps me from, you know, killing people. And I just, I can't pull off orange. Not that we do it in England, but yeah. I'm just too pretty for prison. So let's just not do that, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so where can everyone find you then? Okay, so um, so I mentioned my Facebook group. So that's a good place to start if you just search. What was it called again? The Introvert Women's Remarkable Content Studio. So if you just search for that, uh, you'll find it. Uh, my website is shoalcontent.com. Um, or you could search my name on LinkedIn if you can spell it. Um, so, yeah. Well, we've got it on there. We've got the correct spelling on our thing. Yeah, so. so I'm on there. Um, yeah, Cunningham spelled differently. But I don't use those that much. So yeah, LinkedIn or, or Facebook group are the best, best places to find me. Awesome. So we're coming to the end of the podcast and I end mm -hmm. all of my podcasts with the eight mile moment. So okay. I don't give a shit what anyone thinks about me. I love Eminem and he does all of his rap by saying all the worst things about him skinny is why he lives in the trailer so what are the worst things about you alice oh my goodness that's a really tough question right so um the worst things about me um i am really untidy really messy um that's definitely not a good trait um uh and i can be a little bit impatient if i'm honest you know um yeah i have to I have to kind of breathe deeply sometimes to 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 make myself, um, you know, not not like you know, like uh, if you get in the train, like if you get in London and you get in the tube and people stand at the barrier and they just decided, you know, just as they get to the barrier, then they'd think, oh, I better look for my ticket. That kind of thing really winds me up. Um, yeah, all those years of commuting to London probably probably did that too. But I think I would. Oh my god, I spend my life saying. <laughs> I hate tourists or yeah. I need a taser because I can't <laughs> anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. They're not bad traits. No, yeah. I'm all right with that. Uh, but, um, yeah, that's that. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything that's not too incriminating. That I, can't really <laughs> <do>. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> um, uh, I can be a bit greedy. That's that's also true. Like, uh, you know, um, you know, if there's like a shared plate of food at a dinner party or something, you know, and there's one of one thing left that I really like, I'm the one I'm up thinking of. You know, is anyone going to elbowing that? people I out think. of the way? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> oh well thank you so much for being on the podcast alice oh, and as always no thank you so much and if anyone else wants to be on the podcast or you want to sponsor a podcast podcast <laughs> you can contact us at info at find-surveyors.co.uk say goodbye alice bye bye